new on Curiosity Stream. I'm James Burke. I'm going to take you on a journey through time. James Burke's visionary series returns, reimagined for our time. Now, this is all uncharted territory. The Washington Post hails Burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the Western world. The New York Times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another. Where do we want to go from here? Experience all new connections. So what's the next connection? With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Welcome into the Osmo MMA Live Before Lock shows. We're here to get you ready for today's UFC Vegas number 46. Got a couple hours before we do hit lock. That's the first fight today. Is at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, of course, live from the UFC Apex. You can watch this entire card on ESPN Plus. We'll be here for the next hour, breaking this one down for you, answering any questions you have here on today's slate. Of course, as always, appreciate everyone tuning in here on a Saturday afternoon to check out Live Before Lock. Of course, as always, I am joined by the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Pete, good afternoon, brother. How you doing, man? What's going on? What's up, people? We're here. We, we have some fights finally, so uh, I can't wait. I know everybody's jonesing for it. We're all excited. Um, obviously, short slate. Got to be careful. Have to navigate through it a little bit differently than we would normally, but we spoke on that on, on Thursday, so I'm excited to touch on it again and uh, hear your thoughts on some of these matchups. Of course, we do have 10 fights here as Brito is set to go as it was his corner who had the uh, COVID test issues waiting yesterday. Of course, uh, when it comes to the weigh-ins, really no takeaways from me. Everyone made weight. Um, I know a lot of people in our Discord chat were like, why Why are these heavyweights waiting for the last minute? The reason they do that is because they know you got to do a stare down. They know the stare downs are going to be at one o'clock East Coast time. So they're going to roll in less than 30 minutes before that is because uh, they're heavyweights. They're not really kind of uh, well, Jake Collar's cutting weight. Still amazing. That guy fought at 185 pounds at one point. Yeah. You know, everybody, we all get older, right? We all start to pack on pounds. You know, you, you start to, uh, you know, bulk up a little bit and just kind of, I don't know, it's happened to me over the years and especially in with the COVID years, you know, you just, it, it happens, man. But Jake Collier really ballooned and I actually really like him because I think that he brings like a, a lighter weight class style to the heavyweight division, which is pretty reminiscent to some of my fighters that I train is where these guys that used to wrestle under 200 pounds, they, they're a little bit more agile than most heavyweights. And, you know, they have some natural power. They got some weight to them, but they're able to stay on the outside and kind of out volume their opposition. So all in all, I'm just excited. 
Of course, we are sponsored by Prize Picks. We'll talk about Prize Picks later on in the show. Of course, we gave you some Prize Picks plays on Thursday during the strategy show. One of those lines has changed a little bit, but I'll let Boy. you know whether uh, our thought process changed on that or not. Of course, if you want to check out some of the free premium data and tools over awesomeo.com today, MMA fighter rankings is free up on site. Also, NHL ownership projections, NBA player projections of course we got you covered here all day long get you ready for all of these sports action of course we got a ton of nfl programming for you today to get ready for all this weekend's nfl playoff action of course also we got the nba shows as well but pete where i want to start off with this show and by the way uh be sure to smash that like button here and of course you're not subscribed also right here on youtube you know you gotta do it. we got a ton of great program for you each and every day so on thursday when we did the strategy show we didn't have FanDuel salary so i kind of mm-hmm. wanted to start there this week in terms of the salaries for this card of course obviously the DraftKings and FanDuel salaries are different because DraftKings salaries came out early so there is value plays for guys like tj brown by brian kelher because of the opponent changes but over on FanDuel, Pete, it's a completely different story where if you want Brian Kelher, he is the most expensive fighter on the board at $23. TJ Brown, he is $21. Uh, my biggest thing when I was looking at the FanDuel salaries, I was like, man, who do I want to put in my MVP pool? I mean, there, there are certain guys obviously you're going to want to put in there, um, but maybe my most confident play at MVP today may be Brand Roy Val. Yeah, so FanDuel is completely different. Obviously, they're patient with their salaries, which um, we're not able to hop on some incorrect lines or some incorrect salaries as often as we are for DraftKings. So um, you're not going to get some of these minus 300, minus 225 favorites like a Brian Kelleher or TJ Brown inappropriately priced. So Brian Kelleher at 23, TJ Brown at 21. I still like them just because I, I think that they are in good spots. They're facing two opponents on short notice. They had full camps. Um, they both represent, I think, a, a difficult matchup for their opposition. Uh, you have Brian Kelleher, who is, you know, a decent finisher, has a, a very strong guillotine and submission arsenal. Kevin Kroom throughout his, his you know, career has been susceptible to getting finished. I'm interested to, to expand upon that. TJ Brown, excellent wrestler. So I still think, like, when it comes to, like, no-brainers, Getting to one of Kelleher or TJ Brown is probably the way to go and navigate through this slate for FanDuel or DraftKings. But as far as like inappropriately priced fighters or uh, FanDuel MVPs, I am a little bit bullish on Brandon Roybal. And uh, I I am a little bit bullish on him this week. And I I know that he does have some, um, he has some flaws in his style where his recklessness throughout the years is, you know, has led to a lot of success. But eventually you'll start to, you know, have your opponents capitalize on your mistakes, uh, you know, throwing spinning elbows. Nice. But when you miss on spinning elbows or spinning back fists and you're you're exposing your back to your opponents, good, strong grapplers like a guy in Rogerio Bonterin, um, you know, a guy in Alexandre Pantoja, a Brandon Moreno, they can really capitalize on situations like this. Uh, and like I, I have to tell you, he has a really bad habit of turning his back and giving up his back, having to fight out of close submissions is not the, a great thing, especially at the UFC level. But I will say that I think Brandon Roybal's length can pose a lot of problems for Rogerio Bontarine, who's more of like the, the muscle hamster in this type of situation where he's, he's more compact, he's more explosive. But uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I like Brandon Roybal. I think that a knee up the middle can rock and hurt Rogerio Bontarine. I think that a, a finish, a sneaky finish via KO, TKO is probably the route 
that I think I will start to target for betting. But yeah, outside of that, like on FanDuel, there's nothing that significantly sticks out to me as like a must have for a FanDuel MVP. I will say, as I look at the FanDuel salaries, the the one fight that I just, I'm going back and forth on this one. And it's the Janie Pickett-Joseph Holmes yeah. fight. Like, I feel like if you are looking at getting into those under $14 plays, as much as I don't trust Jamie Pickett, I don't mind getting there. I agree with you. I hate the fight. So it's like, um, you know, when you kind of just look at that fight as how it is on paper and you don't really associate too much of tape with it because you are dealing with a, a guy coming off the contender series. He does have some promise. He does have some length for the division. So his stature is going to pose a lot of problems for a lot of people. Does he have true, um, true experience in dealing with adversity? No, he doesn't. He's faced soft competition. Jamie Pickett will clearly be the biggest win if he can pick it up. And one of the toughest opponents, even though I don't think Jamie Pickett's all that great either, but Jamie Pickett has at least been in the UFC and he's been able to fight some, some notable names and, you know, it hasn't gone his way, but that doesn't mean that Jamie Pickett can't nullify some of Joseph Holmes' strengths. And, you know, I, I don't like what I see on tape from either one of these guys. Uh, Joseph Holmes, yeah, he has a, a, a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, so does um, Jamie Pickett. And uh, I think Jamie Pickett's probably the stronger wrestler in the situation. It's just the, the coaching staff surrounding Joseph Holmes is kind of like, what's slightly tugging me in that direction. I don't like getting away from a glory MMA guy. You know, like we love James yeah. Krause. Um, he can really patch some holes. Derek Minner's the perfect example because I think Derek Minner is one of the most volatile fighters out there. When you put a smart mind behind Derek Minner, you even saw him fight a little bit more methodically and a little bit more calculated, which resulted in a win. Now, does that really work for everybody? Look, at, it will work for Kevin Kroom as well. So, you know what I mean? Like James Krause knows what he's doing. All in all, I view that fight as a as a a wild card. That's probably the biggest wild card on the entire slate. So uh, I, I don't have a problem going either way, to be honest. Yeah, you know something I'll, I'll mention about T.J. Brown in, in this situation is I think the one of the reasons, and, and this is obviously more talking about from the DraftKings side of the equation than it is talking about the FanDuel side of the equation. A because of pricing and also because of you know how points are, you can cure points over on DraftKings is what you. The reason I want to get the TJ Brown is Charles Rosa is very comfortable trying to play jujitsu off his back, yeah. and this could lead to a lot of potential takedown attempts uh, and, and successful takedowns by TJ Brown, but also give him the ability to rack up control time, rack up total strikes landed on the ground. That's why like when I look on the DraftKings side of the equation, I'd rather get to more TJ Brown potentially, you know, his ceiling I think is going to be higher than a Brian Kelher, even though I, I think the early finish is much more probable for Brian Kelher than it is TJ Brown. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, as far as who's the higher scorer, I think that's that's a debate. We don't know, right? Like, I, I think that I would agree with you saying that the finish likelihood, you know, is definitely in the Brian Kelleher corner. And the upside is possibly more for TJ Brown just based on the, the matchup, right? Um, Charles Rosa taking down six times against Damon Jackson, twice against Justin James, who should have been wrestling all along and finally decided to four times against Derek Minner. But throughout those fights, 
he is controlled off of his back. He will occasionally attempt a submission on the regional scene. I'm telling you guys, Charles Rosa has been put in bad positions and then he's bailed himself out. Okay. He he's thrown up Hail Mary submission attempts, um, arm bars. He's, he has a sneaky jujitsu arsenal, but um, I think a, a powerful top game wrestler and like TJ Brown can pose problems for him, but TJ Brown's not the most trustworthy guy either. And the reason is, is because in his losses, he's finished. Um, he's made boneheaded decisions time and time again, where he's either hurt on the feet um, or due to ex- exhaustion, he's put himself in bad positions and then ultimately gets submitted. So if there was, if Charles Rosa had a full camp, I actually think that this fight would be a lot closer. He could end up doing this, but uh, outside of a Hail Mary submission, I'm favoring TJ Brown because I think just the tutelage of James Krause and everybody out in Arkansas as well, I think they're going to have, you know, we got to stay heavy on top. We're going to avoid some of these tricky situations. And then uh, if Charles Rosa gets back, back to his feet, there's takedown city right there. So TJ Brown, one of the chalkiest plays on the slate, Brian Kelleher, one of the chalkiest, you know, plays on the slate, making a group over on awesome.com using the fantasy cruncher tool, something that I'm doing today. Um, taking more of a sports betting approach today, but just because of, of the, the size of the slate, but I would recommend having at least one of these guys in your lineup, the chalkiest build will, will have both of them. It's something to, to mention, and you brought up this point on Thursday with TJ Brown, the fact of does do some training with Bryce Mitchell there in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Of course, Bryce Mitchell already fought Charles Rosa, so something to kind of think about there. Uh, another thing I want to mention before we get into the question is the DraftKings Captain Contest. Uh, as I was looking at the salaries over there, uh, you know, obviously people are going to be looking at Giga and, and obviously you got to look at Calvin Cater in, in that spot as well. I mean, obviously there's a lot of questions with Calvin heading into this one. You know, I talked about this on Thursday. To me, this is a fight that comes down to one word and that's range. What range does this fight play out at? Uh, one of my concerns is a fact of Giga just waiting on Calvin and countering his strikes. It's something that we saw Max Holloway do a tremendous job of where, you know, you, you would see that, that one, or maybe it was a combination that Calvin would throw in that fight. And then Max Holloway was just timing everything. And he was laying four and five punch combinations to counter that. Yeah. So um, I I'm interested to see how this fight goes. I obviously think that the longer the fight goes, I would imagine it starts to really tilt in, in Calvin Cater's direction. Uh, we have seen Giga Chikadze. He somewhat gas out sometimes in three-round fights. Uh, the stylistic matchup that would be his kryptonite would be against a very, very strong wrestler who has adequate striking. We have Calvin Cater, who is an exceptional striker, predominantly a boxer, heavy on his front leg, which that front leg could end up getting chewed apart against an extremely talented kicker in Giga Chikadze. Um, I do think in, in, the, in the punching exchanges, Calvin will have the edge there. He needs to really press Giga Chikadze back beyond that black line. And if you go back and you watch that Edson Barboza, Giga Chikadze fight, whenever Barboza pressed him and put him be, you know, beyond that black line on, on his back foot, it made Giga really question about throwing kicks in that time and also uh, more defensive-minded. So I think Calvin Cater needs to really close the gap early. Um, I like both of them, and I do think that it's going to be a competitive fight. I don't think it's going to be a blowout for either one of these guys because they're both so, so talented. The reason I was recommending Calvin Cater on DraftKings 
is just because of the price differential. Like the, the discrepancy with the salaries, I think is a little bit too much. I think it's a closer fight. Like if they would have put this fight uh, 8,200, 8,000 or 8,470, something around that range, I think it would have made a little bit more sense. I understand that Giga is riding high off of a, with the biggest win of his career. And we had just saw Calvin Cater at the lowest point, but that is against Max Holloway who presents a different stylistic matchup than anybody else. So all in all, for Fantasy Cruncher, for everything, for all my lineups, I want to get to the main event just because I know it's a striker's delight. There's five rounds to work with, but I do see that there could be some situations where takedowns or knockdowns are, are you know, accredited. So I want exposure in as much much exposure. Salary is not a question this week, Jason. So no. Giga, Giga Chikadze is going to be one of the most popular guys. He's a 9,000 smash for a lot of people. I don't know if he, he, he's not a smash play at all for me. Uh, I think a lot of that, the reason he is very obtainable to get to because of the value that we have Um, now. I mean, look, when you look at this captain contest, I look at someone like a bill Algeo at 9,600. I I can see a potential of being able to rack up points, a a way to get different. You talked about Dakota Bush on the strategy show. It's a, a a clash of styles, grappler versus striker. You know, he's taking on the team alpha male striker coach here in, in Slava Claus and Harry Bush versus Slava Claus. One of the, I, I will die. If Bruce Buffer says Harry Bush, I know it's never going to happen. Like, first off, we have Harry Bush, raw dog and Slava Claus all on this card. It's the card of the nicknames, the strangest, most desperate nicknames out there, but they are pretty hilarious. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm interested in these underdogs, but my, my point on saying that Geeky Chikadze is going to be popular it's just because there's so much salary left over. And if people are just translating Vegas odds to salaries, he's going to look like a good play, especially when you're getting a lot of these other minus 200, 300 favorites at completely inappropriate prices. Of course, I, I know along with putting your MMA lines together, I know you're putting together your NFL lines for today. And we have got a great promo going on right now over awesome.com for all these showdown slates that we have going on right now. We got six showdown slates over to the next three days. And we got a promo where you can get our NFL Express Weekly Pass for only $1 when you use the promo code SUPERWILD at checkout. Once again, SUPERWILD at checkout. One word, all caps, where you can get the NFL Express Weekly Pass for only $1. Think about it. You do that today, you got the next three days. Also, we got two wild card or two playoff games next Saturday as well. So this is an amazing promo. You got to take advantage of it. It does expire on Monday, January 17th, where you can get our NFL Express weekly pass for just $1. So you got to take advantage of that. Absolutely tremendous deal that we got going on here for Super Wild Card Weekend. Of course, we got two games today, three games tomorrow, and then, of course, the Monday night game as well. And I mentioned, you use that promo today, then you got it for next Saturday as well, where you got two plays, two games next Saturday as well. So be sure to check out that. Super Wild is a promo code for the NFL Express Weekly Pass for only $1. You got to take advantage of that tremendous promo that we do have going on over there at awesomeo.com. But, of course, we are here to answer your questions. Be sure to line those up, whether it's here on our YouTube chat, also in Discord. Best thing on Discord, just mention me, so I make sure that I do see it. So I mentioned uh, over on Twitter, a hunter man saying, let's go, Pete. Calvin by murder. Got plus 425 inside of distance, bro. That's sick. That's a, that's a great line there. Plus 425 inside of distance on Calvin. Yeah. So, I, I mean, 
it's a tough matchup for both guys. I just know that Calvin has more well-rounded skills than Gika Chikadze does. It's a matter of implementing the correct game plan. And we know New England cartel, Tyson Chartier, they all create specific game plans each camp. And uh, I think, you know, closing the gap, crashing forward a little bit, weighing on Giga Chikadze on the cage, you know, just really zapping that energy a little bit, possibly implementing some takedowns. Calvin has landed some in the past, um, you know, against Andre Feely he has. So the, the skills are there. I know he trains everything. And I think that could be obviously the, the path of least resistance. It's going to be a lot easier said than done. But, uh, you know, it's definitely an inappropriate line. It's it's a total line based on recency bias. Um, so, yeah, I'm all in all, I'm back in Calvin Cater, but I can't wait to see it. It's a striker's delight, and uh, it's going to be a good card. All right, let's play a little true-false based on a comment that Alex had over in the chat. He's Alex okay. says, do we think there's even three knockouts tonight? I just can't see it. I don't know. Um, I think we'll have over three finishes, but three knockouts, probably not. Um, let me look. Let me see. That's a good question. So, I mean, like, like I look at it, and the ones that would stick out to me potentially for a knockout pick at Holmes would be, uh, you know, uh, that's one I would look at. Um, you got to look at the heavyweights, Collier and Sherman. And I'm telling you what, I, I know a lot of people are looking at the main event. I have a feeling that main event's going 25 minutes. If it does, then you like Cater, I think, right? Like, I, yeah. I would think so. I mean, look what he's done. He's been tested against Max. Max couldn't put him away. He should have. I mean... That that could have been stopped uh, against Zabit. You know, Calvin's game, man. Like, he's very, very tough. I think two interesting fights that are very, very sneaky. And if you create your groups correctly. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No this is another group I created that I wanted to get at least one of these guys, and that's Bill Algio against Joannison Brito, in addition to Dakota Bush against Vachislav Borshev. Like, one fighter from that fight is going to pop. Bush has. Tremendous takedown upside. Uh, Borshev has tremendous, you know, knockout upside. But I'll tell you what, his takedown defense is super suspect. That Algio Brito fight, thank goodness we're going to have it, but that's going to be a violent affair. By the way, uh, Kenny checking in. He's looking for a little medical update. Pete, how, how, how's arm doing, man? Good, good. We're making progress. We're making progress. Um, you know, just don't want to rush it and uh, hopefully have something lined up early spring, but uh, just got to take it, you know, one day at a time. Um, dang, Jason, we got 150 people in here. If you guys can hit that like button, get us up over 100. We appreciate you. Shoot your, your questions into chat. Let's go, baby. 
just saying there might have been someone might have hit Pete up like literally just as he Stop. got injured to go, hey man, you want to fight? Stop. I know. <laughs> oh, wait, listen, this is how it is, right? Your phone is dead. <laughs> Nobody's hitting you up. The best way to put it, right, is if you are single and nobody's hitting you up, the second you get a girlfriend, every girl in the every girl in the world wants to take you on a date. It's pretty similar to, you know, when you're trying to find a fight. Can you know silence everywhere? All of a sudden, you get hurt or something bad happens, and everybody starts blowing up your line, saying, "Hey, we're interested in putting you on our card." And it's like, "Yo, where were you guys at these past six to nine months when nothing was going on?" Let's just say there might have been a text about two weeks ago. Hey, man, call me ASAP. Yeah, it's a good it's a good thing, right? Like, I love when I get texts like that. Like, oh, boy, what's going on? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah unfortunately, a little bad timing there. Yes. Um, let's see here. Uh, oh, let's I right, go down some questions here. Uh, of course, you do have any questions, be sure to line those up. We'll get to those as we do go on. Um, you know, we, we I'll mention about the Cobain event because obviously this is a, a fight that you talked about a lot. And yeah, you know, like, look, I, I I don't have a lot of trust in either one of these guys. Chase Sherman is his final fight on his UFC deal. He, he talked about this week. He understands that he is fighting for his job in this one. Um, you know, look, if, I think this is going to go one or two ways. I think Chase, either Chase Sherman is going to win this fight early on, or we're going to see a three round decision by Jay Collier. And one of the things Collier talked about this week, the one th- reasons that he loves this matchup is that he, he, he knows that he's going up against a guy that isn't going to try to wrestle. Yeah. I listened to the media as well. And uh, Jake's Jake sounds like he had a really hard camp. He said that he's never really pushed him himself as hard as he did this camp uh, he threw up a lot so he's really in tip-top shape and you like to hear that especially for the heavyweight division and his volume's always been something special um going up against a plotter and chase sherman who definitely has some pop and good sting in his shots chase sherman has been susceptible to getting hurt and knocked out uh same way that jake collier has but i will tell you that i like the volume of collier in the matchup um I just really think that it's kind of like a career resurgence for Collier. I don't mind if you want to get to the underdog in a heavyweight matchup because it's typically a volatile situation. This is a fight where I predict it will end up going beyond two and a half rounds. Uh, but I am favoring Jake Collier in the matchup. If you want to look just on, you know, Chase Sherman has good volume, but it's the movement of Collier that could really uh, elevate the totals. So all in all, I can't wait for it. Not the typical co-main event, but uh I would much prefer that Brandon Royval, Hogerio Bontarine is the co-main event. Uh, Joe, appreciate you in the super chat. He says, uh, Sherman by knockout. Collar is terrible versus power punchers. Miranda round one at 85. Young round two at 85. And asphalt round one at heavyweight. Sherman hits hard and could shut the lights out on Collier. I was looking at that earlier. I, I was looking at that earlier. And they both have, they. this whole card is littered with liabilities. Like, you have Collier, who doesn't take damage well in some of his previous fights in his earlier career. Same thing for Chase Sherman. Um, but I like the shots that Collier took uh, in, in his previous bout. And I think Carlos Felipe hits extremely hard. And he took 94 significant strikes from Carlos Felipe, 80 significant strikes from John Volante. Um, you know, it, it's weird. Sometimes you, you take shots, you know, 
when you're not having to cut so much weight and you're in better shape. And I do feel like Jay Collier, maybe the weight cut in the past, it's a little tough to judge, but uh, I still, I still see why people want to get to chase Sherman. He's a big guy, six, four, two fifty. Um, the traditional heavyweight Jay Collier, six, three, uh, pushing the heavyweight limit now, but formerly a middleweight and light heavyweight. So I get it. I get it. But I, I'm back in Jay Collier. I mean, look, and the reality is, is that, you know, Sherman understands that if he doesn't get the win here, his days in the UFC are over mm -hmm. and probably back to the bare knuckle uh, boxing scene for him. Uh, Tony says someone uh, explained how everyone was on cater being Holloway, but has no chance now against Giga. So it, it's, a, it's a good point, right? Like we all, it's a typical situation where hindsight's 2020 and, you know, cater looked unstoppable. And, you know, he, he has all the skills to honestly contend for the belt. He really does. Um, his defensive skills against Max Holloway were not up to par and Max Holloway's volume just shined through and uh, the experience gap too, right? A lot of people, including myself, thought that he would have moments of hurting and testing that chin in Max Holloway. He landed some shots, but it just wasn't enough. Now, a lot of people are off the hype train, you know, MMA is a very fickle sport and they like fighters when they're winning and it's hard to get behind somebody who's just coming off a historical loss of, you know, taking 400, 500 strikes or whatever he took in that fight. So I totally get it. But uh, I think Cater has a better shot than what the odds suggest. And the reason behind that is everything we already spoke of. And whenever you can find something where you don't agree with the line or you don't agree with the salary, that's when you compare it to ownership. You go to awesome.com, you check out the ownership, you say, you know, for example, cater 10, 20% or whatnot. You think the fight's more like a 60 40. That's when you adjust your ownership accordingly. And that's where you actually have some success. And a uh, question we'll mention here our comment Ron says, what has the Boston cartel actually won? How many champs, foreign champs trained there? Now, look, the New England cartel is a extremely small team. When you talk about UFC, you got a top five guy at featherweight and Calvin Cater. You have a top five guy at Rob Font at 135 pounds. They have, they, it's a rarity in this sport, especially at the UFC level, where you just have a core group of guys that are constantly together. It's not the big team. And, and Pete, you've talked about this plenty of times. And I've talked to Calvin about this. I've talked to Rob about this. These guys put on like 500 miles a week on their car, yeah. going gym to gym to get all the different looks in the New England area. Yeah, it's it's tough in New England. And the reason is, is um, you know, you, you're dealing with a, a bunch of small gyms. You don't have an American top team like down in Florida where it's warm. Everybody wants to be. You got X amount of people down in Florida and the surrounding areas. You got tons of money down there. In New England, it's a tighter knit group of fighters. And, you know, if you're not familiar with the New England cartel, they have good UFC fighters. But outside the UFC, they have a lot of, you know, guys that are moving up the ranks. And uh, it's a strong management team. And the management team branches beyond just the UFC. You talk about guys in Bellator, you're talking about guys all throughout the fight pass and whatnot. So um, just because there's not too many notable names, I would trust a lot of these guys, you know, within New England cartel a little bit more than some of these uh, small camps coming out of Brazil or whatnot. It's just, it's different. You're getting lots of looks and you can bring in training partners. And I, I don't know, it, you can always sit there and, you know, put small camps under a microscope and nitpick and whatnot. But 
I'll tell you what, it is good. It's beneficial to have a smaller group because once once you're a part of a huge, humongous camp where it's like a Walmart, you're just another number in a body for the top three people in that gym. Oh, no question about it. Uh, mentioned another question that uh, I saw over here. Uh, Matthew saying, what three fights do you guys think are going to be needed for DFS? Where do you want to start here? I, I, I The volatile fight to me, and I think the reality is the winner is going to be optimal in this fight, is Pickett and Holmes. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I would be I would be rather shocked if that really? fight goes to the distance. Okay. Um, let's say it finishes but low volume. That'll have to depend on the rest of the slate. But correct. Say yeah. Second round or third round, then maybe it's not optimal. Um, thing depends on do we have takedowns? I mean, yep. obviously, if there's takedowns, it's going to come from the Joe Holmes side of the equation. Or, but and also this is a rarity. These are two middleweights with massive reaches. They're both eighty-inch reach advantages. Just to give you an idea. John Jones, who everyone knows how ginormous his reach is, mm-hmm. is eighty-four inches. Yeah, these guys are big, man. These guys are big. So when it comes down to putting your finger on the correct fights, it's one of the Brian Kelleher or TJ Brown fight. So it's going to be one of those. That's you, you need one of these guys in your lineup. I'd be very, very shocked. I think it's the main event, honestly, even though it could not be the, the most high volume that we have limited fights. And I just think that the likelihood of a, an early KO or a stretched out decision with takedowns and all that is possible. Um, and then it comes down to the Brito, Algeo, Borshev, Bush fight. And that's kind of how my, my lineup prioritization is going. Like I'm really looking at those fights I mentioned and navigating through it and putting different combinations together and, you know, being a little bit more bullish on some of the fighters that I think are going to walk away victorious. Borshev is a guy we haven't really talked much about. He's yeah. a striking coach at team alpha male, a little bit of an older guy, 30 years old. Um, obviously he wants to keep this fight on the feet where I think Dakota Bush is going to want to take this, this matchup to the ground. Um, you know, obviously you talked about on Thursday with the strategy show of, of looking at Dakota Bush for GPPs with the takedown, but uh, Borshev is a very heavy handed guy. Very heavy-handed, and I can really see this one, you know, ending up in the optimal lineup just because what Bush needs to do in order to become, you know, victorious. He can land big shots on the feet and hurt Borshev 100%. The likelihood of that is small, and uh, there's a big gap in skill when it hits the mat. So Bush really needs to take Borshev down. Like everybody that Borshev fights tries to do, has some success with, everybody he trains with you know like we we need we need bush to avoid striking with him as much as possible make this ugly get you know test that take down the fence uh borshev was not winning that contender series fight he was getting taken down he was getting controlled um in striking exchanges he was doing okay and then he landed that beautiful check hook and you know he's got dynamite in his hands it's just knockouts are very difficult to come by it's not like I think we somewhat overrate how often knockouts are going to happen. So uh, I'm going to back the wrestler in this fight in Bush, but you tell me Borshev goes out there and lands a knockout. The guy's got 350 striking matches. Of, of course, that's a possibility. 
Uh, Ron mentions, he goes, the issue is Giga line is inflated, but uh, Calvin is extremely overrated. Biggest win was against Ige. LOL, his boxing is so good. Max Holloway broke records on his face. Yeah, uh, Calvin getting smoked. First off, I will highly disagree with you on Dan Ige being Calvin Cater's best win. I would put Shane Burgos over Dan Ige. Uh, and I would put the performance, if his fight against the beat was five rounds, which, by the way, the Zabit camp did not want a five-round fight. Calvin was going to win a five-round decision in Russia against Zabit. Yeah. I mean, look, the Barboza win is a is a solid win for Giga. No question about it. But, Ron, I'm telling you, you are underestimating the fighting abilities of Calvin Cater. I've, I've trained with Cater. I've sparred Cater. I'm telling you, Cater's good. Everybody in New England knows Cater's good. It's, uh, you know. It's recency bias. It's going to be a good fight. It comes down to who implements the correct game plan. And, you know, Giga has squeaked out some wins against some lower competition, uh, whereas Calvin has fought the tougher guys. Um, split decision over Jamal Emmers. Split decision over Brandon Davis. Anybody that can get takedowns against Giga can bank rounds. And I think Calvin can bank rounds by doing so and contest on the feet when Giga gets tired. And like I said earlier, to me, does this fight play out at kickboxing range or does it play out boxing range? That's going to tell you how this fight is going to go. Of course, this is the also MMA Live for Lock shows. We're getting you ready for today's UFC Vegas number 46. Of course, takes place here in a couple hours in Las Vegas. We are sponsored by Prize Picks. You got to check out all the props they have over there. You got to use that promo code AWESOMO. And also, we got a great deal going on with Prize Picks. Get one free month of also plus platinum. When you sign up and make a deposit at Prize Picks, you receive an email within 24 to 40 hours after to redeem your free month of also plus platinum. You know, we talked about on Thursday on the strategy show, Pete, about the significant strikes. Uh, the Chukagian line has not changed 70 and a half. I'm, I'm on the over on that one. Same. The Giga line has gone up. It was 58 and a half on Thursday. It's now 63 and a half. I still like the over uh, 63 and a half for Giga. I still do too. Um, obviously, you feel a little bit more comfortable if it was at the 58, but I still think that's fair, you know. And I do like the Giga over 15 minutes uh, on fight time. I probably stick to the significant strikes. I think it's a little tricky. Just you don't know. I, I think an early finish would favor Giga, and as the fight gets stretched out, starts to really tilt in Cater's direction. But uh, that's tricky to me. We'll have to see. Yeah, I, I, I definitely already put my uh, significant strikes play in <laughs> on Giga and HUK. Uh, you got that in on Thursday because, as I always say, you got to try to hit some of these lines here earlier in the week so you can get the best line out there. Of course, be sure to check out take, check out the uh, prize picks. And, of course, be sure to take advantage of that promo we got going on there. You see the top right hand of your screen as well. We appreciate prize picks for sponsoring here MMA live before lock show. Uh, next up, uh, we says, uh, do y'all agree with Brown Rosa odds? Brown lost his last fight. In my opinion, Rosa is 60% on topology. I mean, look, Rosa, he's, I guess you can say he's a consistent guy in the UFC. Win loss, win loss, win loss. Uh, but it, to me, it is very tough to trust Charles Rosa in this spot because it, it's just you just look at his past couple of fights, and the fact is that he just plays jujitsu way too much off his back. Stays in that position where I just think that TJ Brown can rack up rounds as long as he can stay out of submissions. And the coaching staff uh, gives me a huge favor in this one. And the also thing that kind of uh, stuck out to me is that 
Rosa was not down South Florida. He flew in from Boston for this fight. Ooh, a little weird. A little weird. Um, I think if Rosa had a longer camp, this would be an extremely winnable fight. I still think it is a winnable fight for him based on his Hail Mary nature against a guy who has mental lapses and is uh, a little bit lackadaisical at times and gives up his neck or gives up submissions. Uh, I still like TJ Brown in the matchup. I, I think that whenever you have a line of TJ Brown at minus 225, minus 250 or wherever it sits at, I think it's a little much. I think like a, a, a minus 175, it would be a little bit more appropriate. But uh, I, I think it's warranted given the full camp nature and uh, just his heavy wrestling style. So still back in TJ Brown. You could do worse than a Charles Rosa Hail Mary, but it's not for me. And one other thing about this card, and there's been a couple of comments in the chat about this, is like, don't worry about leaving a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars on the table. It's going to be very easy, especially if you decide, hey, you want to go chalk on DraftKings, you want to put TJ Brown, you want to put Brian Keller in your lineup. I mean, literally at that point, you could put, and if you want to throw Calvin Cater in there, you could do whatever you want. Yeah, like I said, salary, just don't even worry about it. You got thousands and thousands left over. Don't feel flustered about it just everybody's going to be in the same boat if you spend everything you can already guarantee that your lineup's going to be duplicated so um get different leave salary on the table stacking becomes less of a priority for me this week uh than if we had lost one more fight i still think it's viable and possible but um you know given just how much salary is left over you're able to get to anybody a tricky way would be you know finding the correct fight that goes the distance where both guys just have insane totals in a fight like a Bill Algio, Joannis and Brito can honestly be one of them. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Ahmad mentions how Kelher and Brown are locks for him. The, the only, I, I don't, I don't mind that thought process, but I'm just going to say that if you're playing in large field GPPs, just understanding you're probably going to have a lot. A lot of people are going to have that thought process. So to me, if you want to get different, you only use one of them. Yeah, I, I, that's what I did. It's I don't want to have everybody's duplicated lineup, so I didn't want to have every lineup with both of them. Getting to at least one, though, I think is going to be the path to success. Avoiding both of them is extremely bold because uh, I don't know if both of their opponents will come away with the victory, and I also don't know how, at their salary, they don't really smash and become a part of the optimal. So, it seems like a no-brainer. Just try not to overthink it. Have one of them in your lineups and uh, get different elsewhere. Pedro, I'd like to know your thoughts on Brito. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so... <laughs> You're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's a great question, man. Brito, wild card coming in here. A little bit unknown. Um, 
throws caution to the wind combinations similar to John Lineker, Davison Figueredo. Uh, excellent style against a guy who struggles against takedown artists. Bill Algio has been susceptible to taken down and controlled on the mat. I think there's upside in Joannis and Brito. With all that being said, throughout the regional scene, um, you know, w- whenever he's met with some resistance, he can get put in a bad position as well. He can get reversed in a guy with skills everywhere. But Algio is a phenomenal striker, but also a good Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. I think you could see a guy in Joannis and Brito be like, wow, at this level, I'm, I'm getting met with some adversity and possibly fatigue and, and break. But mm-hmm. Bill Algio is much more of a... It's an underdog that has piqued my interest, but it's a, a live betting situation where round three comes around. We might look at him round two even, where it's like, okay, we start to see that momentum change. And, uh, you know, where whereas, you know, you, you let Joe Anderson Brito somewhat punch himself out and just expend all that early, nervous UFC octagon jitters and then uh, hopefully capitalize as the fight goes on. But that fight is going to be very, very violent, very violent. Uh, next up, uh, we have Dan saying, you think the main event is stackable this week? I can see it going five rounds. I'm not opposed to, to stacking the main event. I mean, you know, I think that if your thought process is going with stacking the main event, your thought uh, to me, it's gotta be, you think this fight's going 25 minutes and mm-hmm. Giga's is going to win a decision. You're right. And you, and you think that a Calvin cater is going to, you know, have enough volume to get you 50, 60 points in a loss. So totally Totally acceptable. That's going to be, I would say, a chalky stack. But given the the nature of the slate, I don't hate it. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mind it as well. But uh, if if we were down the nine fights, oh, it would definitely be a part of the thought process. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roy Val or Cater for a higher DraftKings score? I say Roy Val. I, I really like Roy Val. Yeah. Um, I, I would probably go Roy Val as well there. Uh, but I mean, look, the, the takedowns could be the ultimate game changer for Calvin if if he is able to to get. I, uh, I hope he to does. The ground. I hope he does. I want I want him to get back in the win column. Yeah. Uh. Why doesn't it worry y'all that Brahima only has a only has submission wins and McGee hasn't been submitted in thirty fights? Yeah. Fair. Fair. Right. Yeah. I mean. You have to put your yourself in the mind of the matchmaker, right? You have this guy who's a prospect. Um, you want to test him. You want to gradually progress him throughout the division. You're either going to pin him up against another crazy stud, or you're going to put him against an aging veteran who will test him in all areas. So this is the typical prospect against a veteran. Court McGee will have skills in all areas. He's a very difficult fighter to get rid of. Okay. He's, damn near impossible to finish. You can get him in some bad positions, but his skills everywhere really just kind of shine through. He's able to get back to his feet. He's able to defend a large amount of takedowns. Um, I do think that he's somewhat susceptible to getting rocked on the feet and getting hit with big shots nowadays. I don't think that his defensive skills are all what they used to be. Um, He has strong wrestling skills as well. So Brahimai being a little bit green as far as, you know, fights going the distance, it worries me a little bit, but I also kind of find some confidence in the fact that he's coming from a talented gym where you know he's training hard against top-level competition on a daily basis. So I think this is somewhat not necessarily a passing of the torch or whatnot, but I think that youth could end up winning him some two rounds. And uh, 
if anything goes to show, like in the Max Griffin fight, he was getting hit and hit with a lot of shots. Uh, outside of his ear falling off, I don't think that he would have gotten finished in that fight. So uh, I'm I'm a little worried. And Court McGee is notorious for losing decisions or squeaking out close ones. Mm-hmm. I feel like this fight's going to go the distance. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, Ryan says Trukagian or Royval for a FanDuel GPP. Uh, it's uh, I would go. It's a Royval for me. I mean, the, the thing about Trukagian is, I mean, obviously you love the volume that she presents, but I think in terms of you know getting to triple digits for her is how is she going to get to that triple digit number? Yeah, I mean, if Fandle allowed takedowns defended, then I would probably say Chukagian, but we're, we're beyond that scoring system. And uh, it seems like Roy Val has tremendous upside, whereas Chukagian has a little bit more safety revolving around her of, of outpointing her opposition. Of course, uh, one of the things that me and Pete love to see after the fights are over are those winning screenshots. I want to see you get into the Awesome Hall of Fame today. Of course, uh, to get in that Awesome Hall of Fame, the first thing you got to do is you got to rock that Awesome Avatar on your DFS profile. Of course, you got to place in the top three of a contest with over 5,000 contestants. Tweet those wins to at Awesome HOF. You'll win a free month of Also Plus Platinum. Only one free month can be awarded to a user per calendar year and of course uh you know we want to see you get into that awesome hall of fame and looking at some of the people that went into the hall of fame already this week uh michael going in there rocking in that contest winning first uh, winning fourth place there uh in an nba single entry contest also taken down uh in an nba 20 entry max which of course 20 maxers one of my core lamps i love to go with there also uh, congratulations to the prospect chase uh, taking down $20,000. Kudos to you Damn. over there. Jake over on FanDuel taking down a contest, winning $4,000. Also, uh, properly rooted taking down a contest as well, getting his first win over there. So congratulations to everyone that has gone into the Awesome Hall of Fame, and hopefully we can see you get you inducted into the Awesome Hall of Fame next Thursday when we're back here for the strategy show for UFC 270. Uh, well, of course, if you do have any questions, you can line those up in the chat right now. We'll try to get to all of them before we do get out of here. Of course, uh, got a ton of great programming coming for you today here on awesome.com. Of course, following us at two o'clock each time will be the NFL betting shows. The guys will talk about the betting odds for today's NFL slate. So if you do have any questions, uh, be there. Uh, Tony say, watch Maya be optimal. Uh, to me, if I am Jennifer Maya, and this is a rematch, uh, she was able to get a takedown the third round after a fight there at UFC 244. To me, if I'm Jennifer Maya and her team, it's about going that takedown route early as possible to try to make this a jiu-jitsu match. She needs to. She really does need to. Now, let me tell you that. In all of her UFC fights, she has not landed more than one takedown. So um, one takedown against Valentina Shevchenko, one takedown against Caitlin Chukagian. You'd like to see a fighter land more. She's obviously attempted more, but uh, you know she hasn't had the most success. It's not like she's attempting seven, eight takedowns a fight. Um, you know, it's a couple, and within a couple attempts, you're you're talking about. Fighters like if I know somebody's going to take me down, and you're going to you're going to train your whole camp to defend takedowns. You have to be able to chain wrestle, and uh, we haven't seen that from Jennifer Maya. She very well could be optimal, but I don't think it's a likely situation. You'd have to have a lot go wrong on the rest of the card, 
in order for her to do this, do so. But uh, that would definitely be sneaky. A, a sneaky fighter that I think that nobody's talking about, and including myself, it's just a fight that I feel is going to have crazy, crazy skills and pace. Despite my love for Brandon Royville, Rogerio Bontarin does have powerful wrestling and power in his hands. And the inconsistencies around Brandon Royville is a little cause for concern, just a tiny bit, just because he gives his back a lot. That's the only thing I'm saying is where he'll accept positions to hunt submissions. Um, so I think Bontarin, as far as like a, a dart throw, you could do a lot worse. But Brandon Royville is one of the staples for a lot of my lineups. You're talking like a guy coming from experience that's do a lot of chain wrestling in camp. Yeah, bro. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Listen, we, we were chain wrestling last night. We, we were doing a, a ton of different drills on the wall mats and all that. So we got the whole team working. Yeah. I mean, what? People want to take you down? Is that what you're saying? You're saying yeah. people, don't want, people don't want to have a karate match with you? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> It's like we're trying to find that for you. Uh, right. Jackie uh, says, uh, TJ Brown MVP on FanDuel. I don't mind it. I don't mind it either. I don't. Especially you, you think about how that fight could play out. Um, I would say this. I, I like TJ more on DraftKings. I mean, I, I, taking, taking the salary out of it. Just thinking about the mm. scoring systems of where I can see TJ Brown racking up a lot of points. I agree with you. It's a slight edge on DraftKings whenever you got a, a, a grappler, just a slight edge based on the new scoring. So, uh, yeah, it's TJ Brown on either platform. Don't hate it. Yeah. Uh, Ryan saying optimal MVP pick for FanDuel GPP today. I would say what I don't have like one. I, I, if I was going to label anyone, it'd probably be um, Brand Roy Val. But like as I look at, you know, one of the things that I'm doing uh, over on the FanDuel side of the equation is I'm looking at our ownership. That, that's the very first thing I'm looking at. What are the What's our ownership projections in terms of the MVP? And I'm trying to get away from the chalk plays. And, you know, you know I want to get away from the main event. I, I You know, I want to get away from a, a Brian Kelher, a, even TJ Brown to an instance. So I'm looking at where else can I find that leverage at? It's a fight that's got volatility. Pickett um, and, and Holmes is one I'm looking at. The Brito uh, Geo fight is another fight that I'm looking at as well. Um, you know, and probably Borshevin and Dakota Bush is probably the other fight I think you have to really look at when you're looking to try to get a little different. Yeah, for sure. Um, just minimizing mistakes for your lineups, right? You want to try to minimize mistakes as, as much as possible. And, uh, or you want to embrace the volatility in hopes that you just hit correctly. Um, like I, I always say, comparing Vegas odds to salaries is extremely beneficial. Also, taking a look at our top fighters tool is beneficial. Comparing that to ownership, what's their likelihood of entering the optimal lineup uh, in comparison to the ownership of what we think or their projected ownership or, or projected uh, you know, likelihood of reaching the optimal. So you, you just take all of this into consideration. I value fight tape and, and fight film more than anything. And, uh, you know, I think it has helped me a lot, but obviously some things you can't, you know, predict occur in MMA slips, uh, scrambles, injuries, bad, poor judging. So you just have to put yourself in a winnable situation and, and hope for the best, but all in all, we're back. Can't wait. Uh, Dylan says, Hey Pete, do you have a favorite fighter in a parlay? Um, I mean, I do. I, I have a bunch of different things. 
I'm going to go a little bit more. I, I really like just even just a, a, a two-banger. It's very simple. It's the chalky one. It's just the TJ Brown, Brian Kelleher. But uh, I'll start to to do like some, I think Brian Kelleher via submission is very interesting given the nature of Kevin Kroom wanting to, uh, to grapple a little bit more than he has shown in the past. Against Alex Caceres, he somewhat grappled into exhaustion and he got a little sloppy and, and got out-controlled in, in moments of that. If he makes a mistake against Brian Kelleher in grappling situations, I think Kelleher can either snatch up that neck or this could end up going the distance. So Kelleher via submission or via decision are, are things that I'm kind of sprinkling. Who's going to take down City? I think Charles Rosa. I think Charles Rosa is going to go to take down City. He's going to be on his back a lot throughout. Um, outside of that, Vacheslav Borshev could get taken down or should if Dakota Bush has a brain. Do not stand with this guy. Grapple at all costs. Yeah, no, no, no question about that. Of course, uh, be sure to uh, like Oslo right here on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. We got a ton of great shows for you each and every day. Of course, we got you loaded up here with NFL and NBA content today. Of course, myself and Pete, we're here every Thursday and Saturday, as long as my football schedule doesn't play into it on Saturday. So we'll see, uh, you know, how, how the NFL schedule plays out here after the opening weekend. Of course, we got that great promo going on over at Oswell.com. Super wild. So be sure to take advantage of that as well. Uh, of course, you got any last minute questions, be sure to line that up. Who is the fighter we're not talking about? And there's one name that, as I looked down all the fighters' names on this car that jumped out to me, Pete. Who? Kevin Kroom. My buddy texted me about him too. And we're I not, but we're, we're, I think he's the one fire we really haven't really talked much about. Yeah, my buddy texted me about him. I don't hate it. I just seen Kevin Kroom a lot on the regional scene. He doesn't take damage all that well, yet he's a banger. Um, and in addition to that, he gets a little reckless despite coming out of James Krause's camp. He's a dog is still a dog and he has that dog in him and he'll throw caution to the wind, put himself in a bad spot and gas out at times. I know some people that have beaten Kevin Kroom. I'm not, I don't really think that they're all that great. Um, I think Kelhar is just, he, he has the full camp, man. He's going to be in better shape and I think he's going to be able to win this fight, but you're right. Kroom hits hard. Kroom has skills. He upset uh, Roosevelt Roberts when nobody thought that he really could. Um, Roosevelt Roberts, a highly touted prospect at one time, and that really backfired. So uh, I don't hate it, but I still say no. The one number in that fight that sticks out to you, you look at the teletape, and that number is seven. Seven-inch reach advantage for Kevin Kroom. Yes, very, very true. Very true, right? Like, Kelleher needs to close the gap, but, like, when, you, when you're a hooker and you sit there and you throw winging shots, that reach doesn't really matter all that much because you're not using your length to your advantage. Whereas, like, say you're on the outside just popping your jab or, or your cross and just staying long. I don't think that Kroom really has that fundamental skill set. It's all about winging. Of course, uh, we're got about just a couple minutes here left in the show. I will be hanging out in our office hours channel on Discord uh, from two thirty to three thirty East Coast time. So, if you do have any other questions, I'll be in there. Of course, uh, fights do not start till five o'clock Eastern time today. Of course, uh, with all the changes that have happened this week, the fight card got moved back one hour. Uh, main card does still start at seven o'clock Eastern time. That'll be on ESPN 
and also on ESPN plus. Um, I, I will tell you this. Uh, I'm not playing a ton today. I, I'm playing a, a lot of, uh, you know, single entry type contests, multiplier contests. Uh, I do got some entries in, in the big GPP, but um, th- this is one of those fight cards that I'm kind of, I think I'm, I'm going to wait up for really going with the mass entries come next week. Yeah. So it's, it's where you just got to pick your shots, right? Like already know that probably a quarter of your lineups are going to be duplicated. So that, that takes away a lot of upside. Um, this is more of a, a betting type of card for me, small slate, mm-hmm. pick your spots, have fun, mix in some parlays, mix in some winning methods. I, I can't wait. So uh, next week, I already kind of looked ahead and that's kind of uh, not traditional for me. I looked ahead and I'm like, oh my God, that's such a good card. So I'm excited. I'm excited for this one. Hit us up on social media, on Twitter. Let us know what you think of the fights or how you're doing throughout it. And, uh, you know, good luck to everybody. The prop bet that has stuck out to me all week on this card, mm. Chukagian via decision minus 125. I think that's, I mean, yeah, I, I really, I agree. Chukagian trying to avoid becoming the first fighter in UFC history to win their first U- 10 UFC fights via decision. That is a stat you don't want to attribute to your name. Imagine if we could, I mean, I don't know if it's possible. You would know more than I do, but imagine if you could bet on on like the uh, the result of the entire card, like bet the finish amounts, bet the how many decisions are going to be on this card. Like that would be fun. Like, because we, we set these lines all the time to try to help us navigate who's going to be in the optimal lineup based on the, the likelihood of a finish. But it would be really cool to sit there and, and have total card lines. Brahima via decision plus 225 is another one I like. It's an interesting one because Court McGee, man, he's known for losing decisions. And I think that Brahima is capable of winning two rounds. And you don't have to worry too much about the third round comeback finish of Court McGee because he's not, you know, usually a finisher. He under two and a half rounds on Kelher Kroom is another one that sticks out to me. Yeah, that seems like a good one. Yeah, I think uh, I want to say what I just had up here a second ago. What's that? Uh, it is the under two and a half on them is minus one fifty. I'm telling you, there's there there is value to be had in regards to betting. So, uh, if you have sports betting legal in your area, I would recommend doing that. In addition to playing DFS, I, I think you could have more success with sports betting today. And that's one of the things that I always talk about is I'm always looking at those betting odds as just kind of see what's the betting public like, you know, and, and how it's helped me develop my lineups uh, for DFS here today. But that is going to do it for this edition of the also MMA Live for Lock show. Appreciate everyone tuning in here on a Saturday. Myself and Pete will be back Thursday, 1 o'clock Eastern time for the UFC 270 strategy show. We'll get you ready for Nganu and Gone. Also, you've got the Flyway title fight, Moreno and Figueroa. So that's going to do it for this edition of Oswa MMA Live for Lock. We will talk to you on Thursday for the strategy show for UFC 270. Have a good day, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.